Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's Peter here, and I know it's been a while since recording, but I wanted to get this one out today because it's a topic that's really fresh on my mind, and it's something that we're setting aside uh, as a priority as a company this year, is really finding and succeeding on new verticals. And it's actually, in my opinion, it's been one of the most challenging things for affiliates because... Affiliate marketers have had a tendency to kind of get stuck in doing what they have known best to do. I mean, you've seen it over and over again in our industry where let's say someone gets into um, some kind of vertical, whether it's like VSLs or health insurance or auto, whatever it is, and they kind of become a specialist at that thing, but then the issue that I've seen over and over again is that they've not, a lot of affiliates have not then been able to expand out of the one or two things they've been doing. They've kind of become like this one hit kind of wonder thing. And then you run into them at a trade show, you know, six years later, and they're kind of still doing the same thing, the same vertical. And the problem with this is that it's not very growth oriented and in fact there's a tremendous amount of risk involved in doing this because if the one thing ends up not working anymore or working like it should it could really have an impact to the business as opposed to the opposite model where let's say you're you know promoting at least five or six things very well let's say that one of those things stops working you're not going to have as much of an impact on your actual business as if you only had one or two things working and the one thing fell out from under you. So in this podcast, I'm going to teach a little bit on just how to actually succeed at a new vertical as an affiliate. And what I've realized is, first of all, it's been a lot more easier said than done. It's been a challenge sometimes and it might require a lot of effort and it might also require you getting outside of your comfort zone. I was listening to a different YouTube earlier this day and the guy basically said on YouTube that some of the best choices and some of the right choices are also some of the most difficult ones. I mean, when has the choice ever been that easy? You know, especially to succeed, for example, right? It's like a lot of people want to succeed, but then a lot of people don't want to do the work that is actually required in order to succeed. They don't want to, you know, spend the extra one or two hours a day working. They don't want to give up, you know, television or video games. They don't want to sacrifice, you know, like an hour in the morning to just do whatever is necessary. And what you got to realize is that in order for you to get to the next level that you want to get to financially, there's a very high probability that you might have to make some kind of sacrifice somewhere. And it might involve sacrificing even something you like to do in the short term. I mean, let's say you have some hobbies that you enjoy. It's not like you have to give it up completely, but maybe just maybe you have to kind of ditch that hobby like one day a week and spend that extra time dedicating focus and energy 
towards your business. Now, it doesn't have to be forever. What I've been learning in my life is that there's actually a time to perhaps sacrifice a little bit like that, but then there's a time to make up for it, right, and get to the next level and and step back a little bit. And what I've also been learning myself is the more successful I can build my team, the more freedom I can have. I can tell you that over the last 10 years, it's been a little bit of a gradual progression, but each and every successful team member we've brought on to the business, whether it's a salesperson, whether it's a um, account executive, executive, a client success person, a media buyer, an accounting person, every time we've added someone to the business that's done something productive, that's made the business run smoother, it's usually in every single instance made my life some degree easier. And what's going to be important here is that if you really want to be successful with this type of business, affiliate marketing, performance marketing, you're going to really have to start thinking about, well, how, how can you make a business that is more substantial than just you and, you know, running the ads and you and your team kind of thing, especially if it's a small team. So what I'm going to encourage here is I'm going to lay out a formula that I've basically been thinking about over the last week or so in order to build a team. Just excuse me for work. I'm going to actually open up a little water here and drink a little water before I launch into this thing. So I've been laying out this formula over the last week or so, and this formula in my opinion, is a very good formula for nailing these new verticals, okay? So everyone knows that if you can succeed on new verticals, you would be crushing it. I mean, let's let's just think hypothetically, okay? Paint a picture of you have this media company or you have a media buying team or you are a media buyer. And let's just imagine that you're able to succeed in a big way. And when I say succeed in a big way, it's, you know, it, it depends on your, like, point of view. I mean, that's what I've realized as well over the years is that big is different than what big used to be, you know? Like, five years ago, I thought 30 grand a day was big. Now, something's not even big unless it does over, like, 100 grand a day or something, right? So it's like my perspective has changed so much on just what I even think is big or small. But in my opinion, I mean, here's where I'm at for my company. I feel like a big vertical and a big kind of campaigns are are campaigns that could do over $100,000 per day. That's what we view as, as big. And this is very feasible if you're talking about a vertical. I mean, some of these verticals are very large. Like, for example, auto insurance, health insurance, life insurance, um, Nutra products, financial products like debt relief and also um, loans like personal loans, mortgage, refinance. Um, Also verticals like legal services and motor vehicle accident, mass torts, right? So 
let's just the picture that I am painting here and the vision that I have for our company is basically to be able to succeed at all of these various things simultaneously and my opinion here is that if we're able to pull this off it's going to be very large I mean because let's just say our goal is to do over $100,000 a day in each of these verticals and then we're actually able to go out and we're able to nail these legal services health insurance life auto financial personal loan nutra all these different categories that exist out there to be doing lead generation in home services windows roofing solar um, you know walk-in bathtubs for seniors there are so many things that you can promote on the internet now let's just say we're able to take eight of those things and it, we're able to do over $100,000 per day on all eight of these things. I mean, we're talking about having a business that's doing over $800,000 a day. You then annualize that by the amount of days that you could technically run the leads. Now, in lead generation, not everyone is buying um, leads every day. Sometimes it is a five-day-a-week type of... Um, thing in certain industries. So let's just say that on average, we're able to do 300 days of year of lead generation, okay? So if we take the goal here of doing eight, over 800 grand a day spread across at least eight verticals and multiply it by the 300 days um, example, like working days in a year, is essentially building a business that does over 240 million dollars a year and then you got to assume you're going to have at least a 20 percent net profit i would hope on that business we try to strive for a pretty good margin in our um our company we're not a big fan of just doing things really slim so then that's over 48 million dollars a year of profit right so let's say that's the vision and that's the goal for our company it's like how do we do that right how does anyone do that how how do you do it so i this formula it, it, i'm almost hesitant to even share the formula publicly because i feel like it's you know we don't want everyone going out there and copying everything we're doing but to simplify it the formula all starts with the success of the traffic, okay? Because I'm just going to use one vertical um, as an example, and I'll, I'll choose one that's a little bit more obscure, like um, roofing, just so, you know, we're not creating competition for ourselves. So let's just say you want to get into the roofing vertical. Let's just say you, you, you do have a vision for that vertical. You think the vision is, you know, maybe over 50 grand a day for that vertical. Why? Because, okay, fine, it's maybe not as big as auto insurance and it's not as big as personal loans, um, but there's potential there, right? So you have this vision. Everything has to start with a vision, by the way, too. What you're really listening to, to on this podcast is a partial vision of what I have for our company, getting more diversified, more verticals, getting all these verticals matured over 100 grand a day each, 
and then having them all work at the same time, it really does poise the capability to have a business that does over a quarter billion dollars a year in revenue, right? So how do we get there? It all starts with the success of the traffic. And that's what I've realized lately is that it doesn't really start with the selling in terms of business development or um, getting clients. It really has to start with the traffic. And granted, you do have to start with some clients. Otherwise, you really have nothing to go off of or nothing to test with. But if we were get to get into a new vertical like roofing, what would I do? So one of the first things I would do is I would make sure that I was able to land at least maybe three or four clients for the vertical that I felt gave an adequate test. So what's important here is that if you're trying to get into a new vertical, you don't want to be working with junky offers or junky clients off the get-go. Because if you do that, what could happen is you could fail at the vertical because of the failure of the opportunity, right? So like, let's say, for example, I want to get into that roofing. Let's say that I do get three or four clients, but let's just say those three or four clients are very bottom of the barrel clients. They're low paying, they're junky, they have a bad EPC, whatever you're using to measure. Let's just say we land like four junky opportunities. What can happen is you could throw your best traffic at it. You can come up with your best ads. You could do your the best stuff possible, but then all of a sudden it's like the entire thing could fail because you didn't give it, you weren't giving it a fair test. You were basically doing your best in terms of the traffic to a a pretty mediocre opportunity of like three or four bad offers, right? So what I've realized step one is, is step one of this formula is to make sure that you are working with some kind of offers or buyers of your leads that are uh, good enough to be resembling of what it could look like if it was more scaled out. So let's say, for example, um, you know, roofing offers are supposed to go for 40 bucks a lead or whatever it is. Just if that's the case, make sure that if you choose three or four buyers to start off with that these buyers resemble the right type of price point, the right type of EPC, the right type of conversion rate, the right type of mathematics so that you can give this a fair test. So step one is I would start with a small sampling of buyers in the vertical. Okay. What I would then do as step two is you start to send some traffic to it and verify with the traffic that these offers, these buyers, these clients, whatever they are, are actually converting and performing the way you anticipated them to do, right? So you're basically validating, okay, I got these elementary starter kind of clients to start testing this new vertical with, and what you're doing in the initial stages of the traffic is you're basically just confirming to yourself that, okay, yes, it, it's converting pretty well. The, I have good buyers. I have good offers. I have good clients. Even though it's maybe just two to four of them, it's good enough to help me to start to understand this vertical and to um, grasp it a little bit better, to understand what's going to profit or not on the media side. Now, the next step to all this is getting the traffic successful. Once you've gotten some buyers in place, even if it's a small amount, 
you've got in some offers, you've got in that second step, which is the indicator of whether it's you did the right job in step one. Step three is basically to get it, the traffic successful. And what I mean by successful is I mean, number one, is it profitable for you? And then number two, can it scale? Okay, many times we've been able to profit on a small scale, but then we've taken it to a larger scale and that profitability has fallen apart. So in order for it to be successful, in fact, I want to add a third thing that is crucially important. And then there's even a fourth thing. But the third thing is that the quality has to be there. The quality of those leads has to be there. If you're in the lead generation business and you're generating leads, the quality needs to be there so that the buyer on the other end is um, satisfied with the quality. Because if the buyer doesn't like the quality, it's going to be a very short-lived opportunity. Let's go back to that roofing example. Let's say you're starting to generate the roofing leads, but your roofing leads are just garbage quality. Every time you know, the buyer tries to call the leads, they're just like wrong number, or it's just like some inaccurate information, or the person is just not even interested in the roofing, or they thought it was something that it wasn't. What this could do is it could ruin the whole entire opportunity because you could have good buyers, you could have validated that those buyers were pretty good in the way that they were converting and performing as an offer, but then if you blow it on the quality side, you could lose the buyers. It could, instead of scaling, it could just downscale and the whole thing could be blown. So this third step of the equation, getting the traffic successful, it's four parts that are crucial to getting this traffic successful. The first is that it needs to be profitable for you. If it's not profitable for you, it's really not a win-win for anyone. Because think about it, if you can't make it profitable, you're not going to be able to generate leads for the company then, especially if it's you know performance marketing. I'm talking about the performance marketing industry where we're generating leads on a uh, commission basis, right? And step two is making sure that it can scale. So step step one of the successful traffic part of this equation is making sure that it's profitable for you. The next step of it is making sure that it can scale. The next step of it is making sure that the quality is there. And then the final step is this question of is it replicatable? Okay, so it's one thing to have something profiting for you, able to scale, and the quality being there. The last question mark is, can you replicate this across your team? And what you're going to learn is you really have to have a team. Because if you don't have a team, you're, the maximum amount of money you're going to be able to make is the, it's just going to be equivalent to the highest amount of output that you can personally do. And there's only so many hours you can work in a day. Like even if you're just a hustler, and you don't do anything else, and you just work all day, maybe you can work like 14 hours a day or something. But if you do not have a team, you're going to constantly be bottlenecked and even restricted in your earning ability by how much you're able to pull off. So the, the last step of this equation is 
how replicatable is this amongst your team? Let's say you're a media buyer or um, you have a media buying team and let's say there's three people on your media buying team, okay? If you're able to show your team what you're doing with the roofing, for example, and then they're able to start meeting these different benchmarks, profitable for them, scalable for them, high quality, clients are happy with the leads for them, then you know you're really on to something with the traffic. Because again, all these things have to line up. It's not, I think where a lot of media buyers get this wrong is that they think it's all about the, just their profitability. It's not just about their profitability. It's about their profitability, they, them being able to scale it, and the quality of the leads, and also the replicatability. If you can't replicate it anywhere amongst your team, it could be some kind of fluke that you're scaling and profiting it in the first place. It's some weird fluke, like maybe the Facebook pixel is working really well for you, but not others, or it's just kind of a little iffy, like the profit margin is so small that when the second you try to replicate it, the success is not really there, right? So this replicatable component is very important. Another component that's very important is the compliance. Um, you cannot do like crazy type of ads and illegal angles and just, um, you know, aggressive kind of stuff. I mean, it's really, I'm. it's not what everyone wants to hear, but seriously, if if you're not compliant with your advertising, it could really oppose a risk to what you're doing with it. Because think about it, let's say you're running something like windows or roofing and everything is lining up. You have good quality and you have good buyers and you have good offers and you're able to scale it, you're able to replicate it. But let's say the one catch is that your ads are just really dirty and it, they're just misleading and there's nothing really truthful in the ads and stuff like this. The The issue with this is that that one component could blow essentially everything you're doing with that um, client. I mean, let's just say, for example, one of the clients found one of your ads and your roofing ads are talking about how someone is going to get a free roof if they apply to some you know, phony program or something like whatever it is, right? This stuff is not acceptable in my eyes. I mean, unfortunately, the affiliate marketing industry is kind of an industry where it's like sometimes people think it's acceptable to do this kind of stuff, but it's it's just it's just not, and it could it could really mess up the longevity of the campaign. And I've seen time after time again affiliates blow this because they have everything right they have the quality right they have the profitability right the replicatability right the scalability right they have everything right and then four months later they're running no offers in the vertical at all because they've just blown it with the um, compliance somehow they've just run some ads that they weren't supposed to or they've gone overly aggressive to try to get the profitability in the first place the next thing you know they've been shut off everywhere and blacklisted and they're just no longer able to even promote anymore right so 
it's very important for all these things to align. Now, after all these things align, then is finally time to start doing more business development, in my opinion. Now, I do want to add a caveat that you could always do some business development along the way, especially as the indicators are starting to line up. But as you can see, to nail a vertical, it's a process, right? So the first step is you have to figure out what vertical you're going to go after. And then you're going to have to get, like I said, I recommend getting at least three or four buyers, clients, offers in that vertical. The next step is testing it a little bit to make sure that it's viable for the... Um, the, the offers are viable. Again, you, you do need to send a little bit of traffic to confirm that you did a good job at picking some, some offers in the vertical. You want to have some good ones to test with. And then the next step is all of these different things need to align, like the profitability, the scalability, the replicatability, the quality, and the compliance. If all those things align, you're profitable, you're scaling, then the next step is is more offers and more buyers in that vertical. So let's say, for example, you ha you now have all these things going for you in the roofing vertical. The the next, if if all those things are actually aligning, then the only thing holding you back from growing the vertical to the moon is more clients. So then the fun part can kick in of you know, figuring out how you're going to get that next client, let's say. Um, you're going to have to figure out how to get that next offer, that next buyer. What is it going to be in terms of the business development side that takes it to the next level? I mean, maybe you're going to have to go to a roofing trade show, for example. There's all these kind of home services trade shows, Um these days like solar trade shows and roofing where all the roofing companies will be there and display their products and if you're able to go there you now have a story for example you're able to say hey um, you know we've been generating these roofing leads and we have all of our ducks in a row we have the compliance dialed in we have our quality dialed in we're able to scale it it's working for us the buyers love the leads would you like to participate in this program as well? You might even have a case study. You might say, you know, roofing company, check this out. We have a case study because when we worked with XYZ, whatever um, roofing company for every 100 leads we delivered, they were able to get, you know, four to five installations, whatever the good metrics are. And suddenly there's a story that can begin getting leveraged, right? And that story can build momentum on itself and so on and so forth. So the vision that we really have for our company is doing this kind of process, but then across a lot of mainstream verticals, you know, almost all of the mainstream verticals, if not all of them. And then the big question mark we're trying to figure out as a company as well is that then how do we pull this off so it doesn't take like eight years right because what i'm describing here it is a process right like it took me about 20 minutes to even articulate this whole process so then you start 
thinking to yourself, okay, like how do I do this in one vertical? So that's the big question mark that we're trying to solve as a company right now. We know the process. We know what to do. Now it's just a matter of executing it and is a matter of figuring it out how to not have this take forever. I don't want to be here seven years from now still trying to figure out how to get you know the fourth vertical off the ground in this master plan kind of thing. The, the next question is just how do you achieve this kind of goal in terms of time, right? Because seriously, what I believe as an entrepreneur is that you really can craft your own future. You're really a creator in a sense of the outcomes you want. And let's say this kind of goal is our company goal. What we're asking ourselves here is, what would we need to do in order to achieve this goal? Let's say in two years. Let's say in three years, maybe at the most, right? Because this is such a serious, lofty type of vision that it would take most companies decades or never to achieve. I mean, let's just be honest. There's some companies that have been in our space for 20 years that have not remotely scratched the surface of like this type of goal, right? Like being in all these mainstream verticals, doing over 100 grand a day in all of them, having all those ducks aligned in all of them with the quality, the compliance, the... Um, the scalability, the duplicatability of success internally, right? There's so many things that need to align, right? So that's the question is just how do you speed it up? How do you have it not take like forever, right? Because if you set a goal like this, maybe it's easy to say, oh, sure, we can be there in like 20 years or 10 years or something, right? But the challenge might become basically how how does this how do we do this in a fast period of time how do, how do we literally be two years from now in the position where we're like wow we nailed the eight verticals doing over 100 grand a day in each one of them right how do you do it and obviously it's going to take time it's just a matter of how much time right and i really believe that how it is basically carried forth in terms of the planning is going to dictate essentially how much time it takes. Does it take two years? Is it in taking four years? Is it like an eight-year thing, right? And I think where we can really leverage this, this plan too is by leveraging money and hiring as well. You can take the success of one thing and roll it into another thing. So let's say, for example, we get a new vertical going. Um, I'm just going to use legal services as some random kind of example, right? Let's say we're able to really nail that over 100 grand a day. What we could do is then we can roll some of those profits and some of that success into the next type of vertical, right? Maybe what we do to kick off the next vertical is we um, hire some additional... Uh, team members, maybe we hire some additional media buyers, maybe we hire some uh, salespeople or part-time salespeople that specifically help to build out new verticals, right? And then 
all of a sudden is something that becomes a possibility to do it faster rather than slower. So guys, I hope that this gave good, you know, inspiration and good insight. I mean, for me, I've always liked to set the bar very high and, um, you know, to try to set the vision high. I mean, the, the way I look at it is that in our industry, there's not that many companies that are doing $100 million a year, hundreds of millions of dollars a year, billion dollar a year. It's It's been very rare in our industry. But what's not rare is for, for this to occur in other industries, right? It's, it's just not. Like if you're in the hotel business or the airline business or the billboard, you know, um, what's there's this super large company that sells the billboard um, space, like the out front marketing and um, it's like these companies crush it, right? They, these are multi, multi billion dollar type of companies. And what I'm realizing here is that our industry that we're in, in the performance marketing space, affiliate marketing space is just a little bit of a newer industry that's not as big and developed right now than some of these other industries. But that does not mean that we, you know, aren't able to rise up and hit these kind of numbers like other industries can produce. I mean, like, think about it. If there's no reason why digital advertising company, media buying company can't actually be producing like billions of dollars per year in sales, there's really no logic of why that can't happen because for, there's a lot of inventory on the internet. There's a lot of advertising space on Google and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and native and display. In fact, it's there's more real estate on the internet than there is physically offline. And think about how much money some of these companies do that sell... Um, you know, TV slots and um, billboards and different stuff like that offline, right? Those are giant companies, giant industries, and there's really no reason why that can't just be absolutely exploded online. So guys, I hope that this was a good podcast for you. I hope that it at least taught you some of these core things, because I think some people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be like, you know what? I wasn't really thinking about all of those components, you know. I thought it was really just about being profitable on the offer. I didn't realize you really need that quality there, the compliance, the duplicatability, the scalability, the biz dev. There's all these different components, and they all work together and where you really hit the jackpot is if all these things can be succeeding in tandem. It's like all the dots aligning or whatever you want to call it. It's like when all this stuff aligns and it all works together, that's when you can just scale to the absolute moon. And what we've learned early on in this business stuff is you do not want to have regrets. One of my biggest regrets in this industry was having successful campaigns early on that we'd never scale larger, okay? And 
we learned this really from someone else because what happened was we would always get these campaigns going on Facebook or email marketing and the campaigns would do like 10 grand a day or 16 grand a day at most. We thought we were on top of the world when we were doing 16 grand per day or something, right? And it's like the biggest regrets we've had was just not taking some of the winning campaigns we had and actually producing the maximum amount of money that they can produce. Like if I knew what I knew now and I knew that I was going to have regrets about it, we would have scaled some of these things so much harder. Like instead of a $10,000 a day Facebook campaign, I would have figured out at the time how to how to do like 60 grand a day or like 80 grand a day on the campaign instead of $16,000 a day on email marketing I would have figured out how to do like $50,000 a day on the email marketing right so some of our biggest regrets was having successful campaigns but then not making the most of those campaigns and the issue is that you know something eventually those campaigns fell apart for some reason or another like the offers you know no longer existed anymore or the email marketing became harder what we actually used to crush it so much in email marketing um, because first of all it was a while ago it was like 10 years ago when the email marketing was easier you could just send an email and it would just show up in someone's um, primary inbox whether it was gmail or Yahoo, and it was literally like picking fish out of a barrel. I mean, it was just such easy money, and also the emailing cost almost nothing. We would spend like $2,000 a month on our email servers, and then we would just make like $400,000 a month back, and it was just the profit margins was like 9,000% on this email marketing stuff, and what we should have realized at the time was that listen this might not last forever like there there might be something that hinders the hinders the opportunity like maybe something breaks maybe something gets harder maybe there's some kind of new regulation or something maybe there maybe the filters just get harder and lo and behold a couple years into the email marketing thing changes started happening they did start in, they started to tighten up the rules to where you know you had to follow like much tighter regulations with the email marketing stuff right you had to have more buttoned up disclaimers and all this different stuff right and then they also the the strictness of the filters got a lot stricter so it wasn't as easy as just pressing send anymore and getting the email into the um the the inbox like in order to get into the inbox it suddenly needed to be like this very drawn out process of warming up your IPs and you know spending like 2 to 4 weeks only sending emails to your openers and clickers to try to get the highest engagement and then if you had the engagement that Google and Gmail liked then you can get into the in inbox and it became such a um uh, such a more time consuming challenging thing that it it kind of hindered the opportunity it was very difficult to make 
$6,000 a day anymore on email when you had to warm up email servers for like four weeks and then you could only send out a tiny bit of emails at a time and if you sent out too many you would like blow your deliverability and stuff it it almost like destroyed the model right and again the biggest res regrets was not taking something that was working and just taking it to the moon doing your best on it you want to live life with no regrets you know what's it's it's it was so long ago but it's like one thing that's really stuck with me is when I was in like middle school or high school, I was hanging out with a friend and we were always hanging out with the friends like older brothers, right? And the older brother had this very kind of like um, spiritual, like whatever you want to, like very deep thinking like friend, right? And he was like kind of I mean, who knows? Like, maybe the dude was just, like, on drugs or something. But he, he was always given these, you know, like, really philosophical, <laughs> you know, kind of you know, diatribes or whatever, right? And he was, like, one of his things was, like, no regrets, you know? Like, you can't live life with regrets. And he was, like, he was always talking about that and stuff, and so much so to where we nicknamed the guy, no regrets, we literally, oh, you know, is no regrets coming over, right? But what really has stuck with me about this is that he really is right, though. You don't want to live life with regrets, whatever that means, you know, you, you don't want to be regretting your relationships, you don't want to be regretting how you, you know, treated your wife or your kids or like your employees and it's just, it's just really important to not have regrets you know and that's what I've realized over the years as well is is no regrets like you you don't you don't want to have regrets about anything and that includes business it includes business campaigns let's say you just have something that's working now let's say you've got some auto insurance campaign that's producing three thousand dollars a day why not try to figure out how to get that campaign to do $10,000 a day, $20,000 a day, $30,000 a day. Why why live with regrets? Why look back, you know, 6 years later and be like, "Man, I could have just made so much money if I had not you know, like messed around and just been lazy and didn't take it that seriously." And you know, it's like I I've said this in podcasts before, but you just have to go the extra mile. You just have to go the extra mile, right? It's just, even at the, I'm at a conference right now in Florida recording this, but it's like, even at this conference, it was like, you know, I kind of like accidentally woke up at like six in the morning, but then I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get up for the day. Like, I'm going to get up for the day. I'm going to start my work at like 6.30 in the morning. I'm going to get a head start on the day. Because it's like, you know what, I was a little tired, but I had a choice. It's like, what, what, it, what is my choice? I could have slept in for another hour and a half. I could have slept for a couple more hours, probably got a little bit more rest. But it's like, you know what, it was more profitable. It was more beneficial to just su suck it up, go the extra mile, right, and put in that extra 
work and that like extra effort and stuff, right? So I just think it's so important to not be lazy. You know, laziness is really the worst thing for an entrepreneur entrepreneurs and laziness just just don't go hand in hand like if if you're an entrepreneur and you're lazy you might as well just just quit before even starting it's like it's just not going to work out you know it's it, in my opinion you know one of the definitions of a good entrepreneur is just not having any laziness at all so make sure you're not lazy make sure you're going the extra mile and then make sure that you you don't have the regrets and in business and in a practical sense how you cannot have regrets is if you feel like you've given it 100% of your effort you know i'm i'm sure you're even thinking right now like you you're probably like man he's right like i'm running you know, whatever it is, let's say you're running some health insurance, some U65, some auto, some VSL, whatever you're doing, right? You're probably thinking to myself, like, man, like, he's kind of right. I'm, I'm, I'm not really scaling this to its full potential. I kind of been dabbling at these lower levels, or these medium levels, and it's like, what do I need to do to kick this up a notch? Because, you know, I hate to break it to you, but the opportunity might not last forever. Offers, they haven't always lasted forever. Some of my best offers that I've ever ran, you know, seven years ago, they don't exist anymore. And if they do, they don't exist the way that they they did at the time, right? So it's you got to, what I recommend doing as well is putting on almost like a pretend mindset that what you're doing could collapse at any time it's 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 perhaps a very like stressful kind of mindset but it does force you to be extremely productive because let's say you're running some kind of auto insurance offer and in the back of your mind you're just concerned that this thing could fall apart at any time or could not last forever the the biggest mistake you can make is thinking that the things will just last forever. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's like almost every time that I've made that mistake, it's like, lo and behold, the thing just like fell apart shortly <laughs> shortly thereafter. It's almost like, it's kind of like, um, it's funny, It's it, there's a great book that I recommend by uh, Tillman Fertitta called Shut Up and Listen. I really recommend this book. It was one of the most inspiring books for me, like, ever in the last three years. I recommend just getting a copy or the audio book and listen to this in the book, but he calls it, like, the paddle, right? It's like, he says in the book, it's like, this paddle is always, like, there's always going to be a paddle, possibly, to slap your butt, right? And it's like, that paddle could be you know, like a downturn in the in the economy, losing a customer. Like there there's this like there's this paddle that you need to look out for. And in the affiliate marketing space, one of the biggest paddles, one of the biggest slaps in the you know, is just losing the campaign. Let's say you're just running some really hot offer on Clickbank or something and 
you can't get caught up in this mindset that the thing is going to just last forever because you don't know if the offer is just going to disappear in two weeks or two months or two years. You have no idea how long it's going to last, right? And um, I recommend taking full potential of the opportunities, having no regrets, at least you're, as long as you gave it 100% of your full shot, like every day, you're not going to have regrets because at least you know that you gave it 100%. But if you know the whole time you were only giving it like 60%, 80% of your effort, it's like you might have regrets about that later down the line. So to summarize here, make sure you don't have any regrets. Scale these campaigns to the moon and... Um, Go ahead and rewind and listen to some of those sections too if you need a little bit of a re refresher on just how to how to conceptually go about nailing these verticals and the steps and everything. So guys, we'll talk in a podcast in a little bit. I have to be honest, I've been so busy in the business that it's been very hard to do a regular podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but at first I was kind of promising once a week and then once every 10 days. And it's like I haven't even done a podcast in like four weeks at this point. But guys, it's because we've been very busy in the business. But we are going to the podcast is going to continue. It is going to live on. It might just be stretched out a little bit further in terms of the frequency and the time. Just because I have to be honest, the podcast is a great way for us to give back to the community. It's a great way for us to. Um, it helps our reputation, obviously, and it's it's just a great tool. It's a great thing for our industry, but it is also very, very lucrative, and also it's been time-consuming just working our own business. So, guys, we'll see you in the next podcast probably in a few weeks or so. Um, enjoy and take action on these things. It's important that you take action because if you just listen to this stuff and you don't do anything, you don't make any changes, that's not good. Take action, get to the next level, and we'll talk in a bit.